Welcome to the One Right Church podcast, where we will discuss what it's like to believe that you attend the only right church. My name is Mark Shaw, and I spent the first 45 years of my life in the Followers of Christ Church in Oregon City, believing I was in the One Right Church. Our hope is that by simply sharing our story, that we would urge people to look to the Bible for answers instead of their religious traditions. We want to encourage people to trust in Jesus for their salvation and not in attending the One Right Church. Let's get started. Hey, Scott. Good to see you, Mark. Good to be back. I thought we'd do something a little different this time and start with the hymn at the beginning. An opening hymn. An opening hymn. There you go. So we uh, sang a song called The Haven of Rest at followers, and uh, it always really confused me. So I want to read the, the first verse of it is, My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin and distress. And I was confused every time I sang that song. Why, why did that confuse you? That, that was not my experience. I never felt that. I never felt like I was lost or wandering. I was born in the right place. Uh, I was, I've said before, I felt like as long as I did the right things that God would bless me because of it. Um, This, we really were um, taught that we were born holy because we were born in the right place. And so you're good to go and you didn't feel lost or anything like that. And yeah. And so we'd sing this song and it's, the opening line, like laying the groundwork for the rest of the song, and I, it just confused me when I would would sing it. And then, I started he- listening to some of the previous uh, podcasts, like Gary's story, Andrew's story, mm-hmm. and one thing I noticed through all of them, there there are a lot of differences, but everybody came to a point in their life where they realized that they had a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and I. I just, I think that's important to talk about that we you have a problem. We have a problem. I, I don't want this podcast to come across like I'm trying to get people to decide whether followers is right or wrong, or that I'm just trying to point out problems with followers. Um, Cause it isn't really that followers has a problem. It's that each person has a problem and you know, what is the solution for that problem? Yeah, really, is what you got to come to grips with. Exactly, and you don't need you don't need a solution until you know you have a problem, or you don't know you need a solution until you know you have a problem. Right, and um, and I, th- you know, you, it, it's really not about are there problems with followers. It's you know the the question is does you know did you find the solution to your own problem there, and. Or, did, you know, where do you find the solution to your problem? And I think right. that's the thing. And so the, the, probably the first question is when you say, I, they had a problem, they discovered they had a problem, I discovered I had a problem. Right. Um, right. How would you articulate your problem? <laughs> well, I, I just realized that I was separated from God by sin. I, I didn't know... Before that, I, I didn't understand either the holiness of God or the, the condition of my own heart. I had, mm. 
I had uh, just believed my whole life that I was probably okay. I was better than a lot of people. Um, you know, you like we've talked about grading on a curve. You just mm-hmm. you just find the worst example you can find, and then oh, I'm in comparison. I'm probably doing okay. And uh, and you I, were content with that. Basically, it's what you're saying for the long time. That was yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was there was no need. There was no um, there was no hungering and thirsting for righteousness. There was no understanding. I was not poor in spirit. I mm-hmm. was in my mind. I was rich in spirit. You know, I was. We were good. Right. And um, when you come to realize that you're not good, that's when the gospel can play a part in your life. And I think of, I think of in Acts 2 when, when Peter is giving his sermon and explaining to the people who thought they were in great shape, uh, the, the Jewish people, they had, um, Jesus had been crucified. Uh, they thought they were God's people. And it wasn't until uh, he gives this sermon and explains to them who Jesus was and when they when they see it, the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts, I believe is what it says. And they, they come away from that. Their response is, what must we do? And, and I feel like that's where I got to was a place where I finally just, oh, no, you know, what, what must I do? Mm-hmm. What, and so I, I just wanted to bring, bring up the fact that we need to understand that we have a problem. Like all humanity has a problem. Mm-hmm. The world is broken. Um, well, I think, you know, I think it's sounds like you arrived at that. I'm going to say it this way, theologically, which is not, I mean, ultimately you've got to get there to mm-hmm. understand it theologically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's fine to have a theology that includes uh, sin and God's remedy for sin. You have to have that. But I do think that it's worth stepping back and saying, even though you felt like you were um, in good shape, you know, and again, without um, imputing anything on you, but I mean, most people, I think, have things in their life that are are clues or signposts that point in the direction of um, something's not right here. I have this, you know... Thing nagging in my conscience. I have, you know, I have this relationship with somebody that isn't working like it should. What is the matter? And I think that to be sensitive to what is the matter is really the starting point and recognizing that, you know, you don't have to have the whole thing built out, but just recognize it just isn't what it should be. And then, you know, rather than say, ignore it or say, no, I'm good. I was born in the right place or with the right parents or have the right, you know, church. I, what is it about this? And, and just even explore that I think is probably worth doing Yeah. rather than explain it away or just pretend it's not there. Yeah. And, and I will say that I, I did have those things in my conscience I, I did have those problems in relationships. Well, we and, yeah, thing, yeah. I, I had those, but the solution that I was told w- was that I was okay. 
that I was in the right place. So I, I just suppressed them, I think, or just mm -hmm. ignored them mm -hmm. or, um, and until I couldn't. So, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. the way that we all do that. I mean, I just, yeah. um, had a knee replacement and I, I went on without it until I couldn't. Yeah. And it's the same thing. And I would do my best to not limp and pretend that I was fine. And then pretty soon I couldn't do that anymore. And I had to face right. up to it. And right. I think that's a, that's the same kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think facing up is, is kind of what you're getting at. I mean, that's really what Andrea had to do and Gary had to do. And uh, yeah. all of us really ultimately have to do is, is face up to it. And um, anyway, I think that's, some of it is that, that is, when you say I suppressed it or I told myself a different story, yeah, I, I do think that's one of the things that we do is we all are telling ourselves stories. And the story that God is writing says that God was the creator and he made you for a purpose. He made you to be in relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And then the kind of the second chapter of God's story is about uh, what we call the fall, mm -hmm. which is when our, our great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve, just said, no, God, we're going to do it our own way. And the Bible is pretty clear that uh, their children, all the way down to us, continue to do it our same way. And, um, you know, that's, and what that did is that, you know, that kind of threw everything sideways. And that's where I think where we get this feeling like it's not everything's right. Yeah. And then what are you going to do about that problem? And see, some of it you can pretend to ignore it, some people, some people deal with it other ways. I mean, they'll, they uh, try and medicate it with alcohol or drugs or mm -hmm. sex or something, or other people try and be successful enough that it, the, the pain of those things will go away. Or, you know, all the things, there's always some look at how am I going to fix this problem? And the, you know, the, the story that God tells is the story of him fixing the problem. Right. Really, all the way through the Old Testament, it's pointing to Jesus, who is the one who redeems and fixes the problem. And then ultimately, in the end, the last chapter is going to be to make everything right. And so yeah. the story that God tells includes this major portion where it exposes our problem. And it's really not a problem that we're unfamiliar with. It's a problem that we all have, and we have to say, what am I going to do yeah. about my problem? Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> That brings a couple of Bible verses to mind. One uh, that goes along with what you were just saying is in Romans 5, and verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. So that's what the Bible teaches about it. But what... What I remember being told about it was another verse uh, from Corinthians that it's talking about a marriage between an unbelieving spouse and a believing spouse, mm -hmm. and that um, if they stay together, then their children, they will be sanctified by the one believing parent. Mm -hmm. And so that was interpreted and taught to believe that if you just stay in the church where your parents have been in the church, even if one of them leaves, as long as you have one of them in the church, then you are made holy, is what in, in Corinthians it talks about, uh, some language about sanctified and mm -hmm. made holy. And so 
just talk about that a little bit, what, what that means as opposed to what I was told. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, to be sanctified is to be set apart. And I think what it's talking about there, it's encouraging the believing spouse, you know, not if, if the unbelieving spouse will stay with them to go ahead and keep the marriage intact because that will bring the unbelieving spouse and the children into the proximity of the gospel. In other words, they'll be brought into the, um, you might say, the vicinity of um, the gospel or sacred space, mm-hmm. you know, where um, where the gospel would be uh, close by. In, in other words, to, to be set apart or, or that, I mean, they would be set into a situation where they themselves could respond. And I, and I think that ultimately that's what you have to get to is that it is, it's not something that somebody else does, a parent or a spouse or anybody else. It's, it's really what Jesus has done and how do I connect with what Jesus has done? And what I think that passage teaches is that the believing spouse hangs in there so that the unbelieving spouse and the children have the opportunity to respond to what Jesus has done in the life of that believing spouse. So that'd be the way that I would talk about that passage. Yeah. So it's, it's being set apart to more exposure to the gospel, even with, through that believing spouse or. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's in a special, you're Mm -hmm. in a different relationship than you would be if they, you're just gone. But this is, this is a different thing than what the Bible talks about by like, being justified by faith. Uh, yes, and, and it's not salvation at all. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't think that had, that has to do... There's nothing saving about that marriage relationship or even about that family. Right. Except the right. one spouse we know is a believing spouse, and so mm-hmm. that's the key to, to salvation is believing. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. Scripture is really clear about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't... I, I think that that's putting more weight on that than it's intended to carry. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the way I would say that. Okay. Um, you know, there's other verses too. I mean, first John one eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right. So, I mean, there's just hardly a way around that. I mean, this is a theological explanation, right? When I've said, Mm -hmm. first of all, you experience it, maybe not theologically at first, but then you get this explanation for what is this problem? Well, okay, I do have sin. Then what do you do about it? And the next verse says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And see, the, the thing I love about that is that it deals with the problem. Yeah. The, you know, the, the problem isn't really, am I going to be good tomorrow? The problem is I wasn't as good as I needed to be yesterday. And no, no amount of what I do tomorrow fixes yesterday. Right. Except that we have here that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he fixes yesterday. He cleanses mm-hmm. us. He forgives us. He lets us off of his hook, yeah. and he cleanses us. So it's not just that he deals with the guilt. He also deals with the shame, and the the sin is taken care of there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good news. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Cause, well, no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the the news is good because the news was bad. Right. See, and I have this nagging feeling that the news is bad, mm-hmm. but I try and push that away and ignore sure. that, do something about it. But the scripture is very clear, and this is this is the thing that, this is why it's good news, because the bad news 
I couldn't do, I couldn't fix it. I, right. I couldn't do anything about that bad news until Jesus comes in. Right. Right. So telling ourselves a different story to just feel better about the bad news that's nagging at us uh, is, is not a good solution. I mean, I, I tried that for, for years mm-hmm. and, um, and I just would encourage anyone if, if you are feeling that, that nagging, that do just what you read there. I confess that sin to Jesus, put your trust in him because mm-hmm. the peace that comes with that is just incredible. Um, and it's, and it, it lines up with God's plan for salvation all along rather than trying to come up with, Another way, I, I remember Andrew saying that uh, when he had a problem, when he went to someone and asked about it, his answer, his solution that he was given was to go talk to older men. It, it wasn't to go look at, mm. you know, don't go look at Romans 5, like we just read from, or First John, go talk to older men. And I think those older men, they have they have some of these same nagging questions too, but when you're when you're in a place like followers, you, I felt the pressure not to show any chinks in the armor. Like I felt the pressure to have an answer to every question that somebody might have. And, but I didn't use the Bible to come up with it. So Mm. I felt like I was just making things up or passing along things that I had heard before. Well, again, those are the alternate stories that you, yeah. know, you were telling maybe yeah. or that other people tell or that we tell ourselves instead of telling ourselves a story that God is writing yeah. where he has sent Christ just to do this very thing to deal with that problem. Yeah. And pride was such a problem for me to, to admit that to just like, okay, I have a problem. Like this is a problem. Um, mm-hmm. And nobody it just became clear to me, nobody can help me with this. Nobody around me can help me with this. And that was, that was the first time I ever had that feeling that I had sung about for so many years of, you know, my soul in sad exile was out on life sea, so burdened with sin and distress. And I feel like if, if anybody had that kind of attitude and was just distraught or upset with how things were going, at followers, they were just labeled contentious or discontent or um, bitter. or And there was some of that. Mm-hmm. But when you have this problem and you don't know of a solution, it, that's where you end up is in distress. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, out on life sea, burdened with sin and distress. And it's, uh, I just want people to know about the solution, God's solution. Yeah. And it isn't, and again, it isn't what's wrong with followers. It's what's right with the gospel and it's what's wrong with me and what's right about what Jesus has done. And, you know, somehow connecting to that is really where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when we, when we feel the need to um, protect where we are, like I, I felt that for a long time that I needed to defend where I was and, and it, it makes you it makes it hard to believe something like the gospel. When you've when you've believed your whole life, I need to do the right things, I need to 
to accomplish some things or I need to keep my my nose clean, you know, with what stay away from the really bad sins. Um, it makes when when you hear the gospel, we've talked about it on here before. It just sounds too good to be true. It sounds too mm-hmm. easy, and um, it really takes digging into the Bible and seeing mm-hmm. who God is, who Jesus is, and realizing the sacrifice that He did make, and then you can say, okay, this this wasn't easy. You know, this right. is, um, it's a free gift to us, but it was not easy. Right. So, yeah. Well, I do think this is worth talking about. So thank you. I mean, I'm glad you brought it up and I hope that it's helpful. And yeah, and I do think that, you know, that it's a kind of thing, because you mentioned that <clears throat> one of the things that keeps people from going this direction or probing this is pride. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, there really, I don't know, how shall I say this, isn't anything to lose. No. You know, I mean, so you explore it, and so you weigh the two alternatives, and the thing is maybe too good to be true, the gospel is, and so what do you do with that? Right. I mean, pursue if you pursue that, there's not really anything to lose. Yeah, yeah, that's so. true. That's true. Even... uh well, the answer—I mean, the answer is even right in that song that that oh, we would sing, okay. that same song that we would sing. Um, so it starts out with the problem: my soul in sad exile was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, "Make me your choice," and I entered the haven of rest. Mm. And then the um, the last verse of the song says, "Oh, come to the Savior; He patiently waits." to save by his power divine. Come anchor your soul in the haven of rest and say, my beloved is mine. Mm. So it's, there is a solution. There, God there's has rest, created. Rest, yeah, there's yeah. rest for your soul yes. is what that the yeah. song says. That's the way the song talks about it, which is a great way. Yeah. So I think it's important just to say to both, if, if you're like, because I experienced both, sides of this. If you're like I was, where you don't feel any distress, where you maybe don't know why you're singing that first line of that song, um, think about it. Read read Genesis and read about the fall and read Romans 5 and see that that sin applies to all of us and um, just be willing to admit that you're not the only one with a problem here. Mm-hmm. And, and then if you are someone who is feeling that way, uh, but it doesn't feel like you can confess that to anyone or talk about that with anyone. Then, I mean, read again. Go go to the Bible. Read yeah. about read about Jesus because he he calls us to to come to him, all who are uh, weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Mm-hmm. And that this is the rest that you're singing about in this song. Exactly. So good. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Scott. Mm, Thank you. Well, hopefully this has been helpful. If you have questions or comments or a topic that you would like us to cover, you can reach us at comments at onerightchurch.com. And for more information, you can visit our website, www.onerightchurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.